Welcome to the Grace Baptist Church podcast, and thanks for joining us for this episode. Before we begin, please take a moment to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. If you enjoy this content, please don't hesitate to leave us a five-star review and share this podcast with your friends. We'd like to extend an invitation to you and your family to join us for worship this week at Grace Baptist Church. We'd also love to connect with you online at gracekettering.org. Thanks again for joining us and enjoy the episode. 1 Thessalonians chapter number 2. And we're going to read the first 12 verses together and then we'll be seated. You all there? Very, very good. For yourselves, the Thessalonians, brethren, notice how he calls them brethren, Uh, It's a family. It's not an organization. Um, You're not a number to God. It's a family. For yourselves, brethren, know our entrance in unto you, that it was not in vain. But even after that we had suffered before and were shamefully entreated, as ye know, at Philippi, we were bold in our God to speak unto you the gospel of God, which... With much contention. For our exhortation was not of deceit, nor of uncleanness, nor in guile, but as we were allowed of God to be put in trust with the gospel, even so we speak, not as pleasing men, but God, which trieth our hearts. Neither at any time used we, what is the word? Flattering words, as ye know nor a cloak of covetousness, God is witness. Nor of men sought we glory, neither of you, nor yet of others, when we might have been burdensome as the apostles of Christ. But we were gentle among you, even as a nurse cherisheth her children. Being so affectionately desirous of you, we were willing to have imparted unto you not the gospel of God only, but also our own souls, because ye were dear unto us. For ye remember, brethren, our labor and travail for laboring night and day, because we would not be chargeable unto any of you, we preached unto you the gospel of God. Ye are witnesses. And God also, how holily and justly and unblameably we behaved ourselves among you that believe. And ye know how we exhorted and comforted and charged every one of you as a father doth his children. Let's read 12 together. That ye would walk worthy of God who hath called you unto his kingdom and glory. Let's be seated. Father, thank you for this, your word, this letter that was given to the Thessalonians so many years ago, some 2,000 years ago now. But Lord, you promised to preserve your word to every generation and including ours. And so we give thanks to you for this, your word tonight that we have read. Bless it to our hearts. Would it nourish us with strength? We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So Paul had been three Sabbath days with the Thessalonian believers before persecution and opposition sent him out of town. Can't say the same for Jason, who was a Thessalonican who had been drug out of his house and said, hey, you have, uh, you've 
uh, aligned with Paul and with Silas and Timotheus. You've aligned with them, and uh, we're going to mistreat you. And so that was kind of the, 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 the temperature or the, uh, the atmosphere in Thessalon- uh, Thessalonica. It was full of persecution towards these that had believed on Jesus Christ. And a lot of that persecution was coming from the religious the religious community, and you even find some of that today in our day, that some of the persecution that comes against those that want to walk with the Lord will come against those that say they are religious, and they'll have something to say about you when you um, give your life to the Lord and begin to follow Him with all of, your, all of your heart. And so Paul is really burdened as he hears this report from Timothy, hey, this is what's going on up there in Thessalonica, so Paul sent a letter as we have underscored as we've started this on this book he sends back this letter will eventually send back second thessalonians to continue his thoughts towards them but he's just using what he had at that point pen and paper to encourage these believers and especially to give them perspective as persecuted believers how can they walk with the lord how can they flourish in that society, in that godless city of Thessalonica, how could they flourish as believers in the Lord Jesus Christ? He wanted them not just to have accepted Jesus Christ as their Savior, but he wanted them to be mature in their faith. And friends, that's God's goal for you too. That's God's goal for me. No matter how long you've been saved, God's goal is for spiritual maturity. Now, if you're, if you're with me and agree with me on this, I'd ask you to acknowledge it, but um, you know, spiritual maturity hasn't always been the case in my life. How many of you would agree about that for you? All right, I haven't always been spiritually mature, and I, I, I expect that there will be times in the days ahead that I won't act in spiritual maturity, but God's goal is spiritual maturity. He wants us to walk with God in maturity, and that's the whole plan. In fact, why don't you do this? Turn over to 1 Timothy, just a few pages over, chapter 2, 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse number 16. 2 Timothy 2. I'll get it right here. 2 Timothy 3 in chapter 16. I want you to notice this because it speaks to our spiritual maturity. 2 Timothy 3 and verse number 16. We're going to read it all out loud together. Are you there? All Scripture, read, all Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, truly furnished unto all good works. That word perfect there is the idea of maturity. The reason you have a Bible tonight is so that you can be spiritually mature. The reason we open up the Word of God tonight is so that we can be spiritually mature. That we're not perfect, but mature that we've, we've advanced as God would have us to. Do you believe tonight that God has a place where he wants you spiritually? So I don't want to lag behind, and I don't want to run ahead of God. God wants us to be spiritually mature. He has a place where he wants us in our, in our lives. And so I want to encourage you tonight. Take this matter of spiritual maturity uh, with seriousness. God wants you to be walking towards that. He wants you to make that your goal, spiritual maturity. Now, that was Paul's heart for the Thessalonians. They had just come to Christ, many of them. They're being tossed to and fro about, um, by persecution. Can you imagine trusting in Jesus Christ and going to work and saying, hey, listen, everyone, I just trusted in Jesus Christ. I gave my life to the Lord. Perhaps you have this story, and you kind of met people's, you know, what did you do that for? I'm sure you've heard about that. Maybe some of you have experienced that. And where people aren't as excited about your new relationship with Jesus as you are. Well, that's what they're experiencing. 
Paul says, I want to give you perspective. I want to help you on to maturity. So the first chapter really dealt with Paul just greeting them, reminding them of their faith, their decision to trust Jesus Christ. The second chapter begins to get into Paul helping them move in their sanctification. Someone tell me, what does sanctification mean? Set apart. Sanctified means to be set apart. Saint means to set apart one. So sanctification is a process of us being set apart from the world to Jesus Christ. So it's a great Bible word. Jesus did not save you to leave you as you were. He saved you to change you. In fact, he tells us that we are predestinated to be conformed to his image. We're not predestined to heaven or hell, but we are predestined as believers to be, uh, be conformed to the image of our, our dear Savior. And so God's goal for us is to be set apart, sanctified. Is there a time on this earth where you, where you will be fully sanctified? Yes or no? No. We might call that, um, uh, some have called that uh, where they, they come to a, a uh, perfection um, and I'm forgetting the exact term right now, sinless perfection is the term that some, some groups have said that you get to a point where you just don't sin anymore. Friends, let me tell you, you can, you can rename it. Uh, sometimes they rename it as mistakes or not thinking clearly, but the reality is as long as we're in the flesh, Paul says in Romans chapter 7, we're going to struggle with this, the, the, the struggle of sin. All right, are you all with me on that? But on this earth right now, we are to be progressively being set apart more and more to Jesus Christ. Now, will there come a time where you will be fully sanctified? Yes, when? Heaven. We call that being glorified, being made exactly like Jesus Christ. In a sense, friends, not to confuse it too much, in a sense, the moment you got saved before God the Father, you, are, you have been made completely righteous. That's your standing. That's your actual legal standing before the father you've been made completely righteous that's a wonderful thing but that'll be realized in heaven right now we're still walking in the flesh so it's wonderful today to, to realize that every single one of our sins has been forgiven and that we are righteous as christ before god the father that's our that's our legal standing praise the lord praise the lord for that and uh people wonder uh, you know and carry around guilt you know, you don't have to continue on in guilt over the past. The reality is you've been, you've been forgiven for past, present, and future sins. You've been forgiven. That is your standing before the Father. Isn't that good, good news? So don't, don't, don't continue on. And, and part of our maturing is learning these things and learning to walk in the light of these things and not, not allowing Satan to come and, and say, no, 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 no. You still, you still have to work this sin off. No, I'm, I'm sure thankful that we don't have to work anything off. That we are forgiven and that we've been declared righteous and he is working a good work in our hearts. Philippians 1 and verse 6. Being confident, if you know it, say it with me. Being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. There again, the process of sanctification. And I promise you there will be a day where you and I will stand before before God, and we will be completely glorified, made just like Jesus Christ. And that's, that's a good day. But the process now is maturity. This is what, what God is trying to do. So Paul is dealing with sanctification here in this passage. You see, Paul isn't just interested in them praying a prayer. God is not just interested in us getting people to pray, pray a salvation prayer. In fact, 
to speak of that, we don't find a salvation prayer listed out in Scripture. We do find, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved, right? Um, whosoever shall believe, Romans 10, 13, shall be, uh, uh, shall be saved, uh, uh, Acts 16 and verse number 31, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. Do you understand that there's not a set in order prayer, but God's not just interested in people making decisions to trust in Jesus Christ. He wants to bring them to maturity. And the Bible tells us that in uh, Matthew chapter uh, 19 or verse, uh, chapter 28 and verse number 19. So Paul is working to bring these folks to maturity. Now, how's he going to do that? Well, I want us to follow his line of reasoning or line of thought here, verses 1 through 6. How did Paul work to bring these folks on to maturity? And I want us to notice that he first did as a faithful ambassador. No one can be a mature saint, a mature set-apart one, unless they've received the message of the gospel. And so let's again go back to this thought. Look in verse number 1. And following, notice how he says, For ye yourselves, brethren, know our entrance in unto you, that it was not in vain. How did he enter in? I want us to go down to verse number four. But as we were allowed of God to be put in, what is the word? Trust. Trust with the gospel. What does this word trust have to do with? It has the idea of to be given a stewardship. To be given a responsibility. Over in 1 Timothy 1 and verse number 12, Paul says to, the, um, to Timothy, he says, I thank my God who has counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry. He's given him a trust. So Paul had been given an assignment. His assignment was to be an ambassador to the Gentiles, to take the message of the gospel to these places. And Paul was a faithful ambassador to these folks as well. And notice how he says in verse number 2 that he did this in boldness toward God towards God. He came in that city. He did not come into that city. Well, you know what? If you'd like to, uh, if, if you want to listen to the message of the gospel, let me just share, share some things with you. He didn't come with kind of a mealy mouth approach to it. He came in boldness to God. He came with a message from God. You know, if, if the gospel is just a man-made thing, it has no authority. It has no, no bite to it. But if it's truly from God and we believe that it is, we have all authority. And Paul says, I came to you, my entrance to you was with boldness, not in myself, but boldness to God. And boldness was not in Paul's own ability. In fact, Paul said many times that he didn't say things really well. That he didn't come with mighty words and, 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 and an, amazing, uh, an amazing flamboyance. He didn't come with a winsome personality. He came in demonstration and power of the Spirit. So he says, when I came to you, I came with the ability to have liberty, freedom to speak in God. In God. We are bold in our God. Friends, we need to be bold in our God. This week, we need to be bold in our God. Uh, do you know what it is for children to go relay something to another child, and they say it, and they begin to bicker about it, right? I live, I live in that zone, okay? Uh, um, but they begin to bicker about it until, until these, these little words, this little phrase, Dad said so. And that changes everything, doesn't it? Changes everything. Dad said so. We need to find our Dad said so voice. 
we're not going out and, and publishing the gospel in the marketplace of you know, you know, equal truths out there. We publish God's word as the truth. Why? Because our creator said so. God himself said so. And so Paul was able to come into a, a city that had many, many gods that had grabbed the hearts of the Thessalonians, whether they be gods of, 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 of the sensual or gods of money or uh, idol gods that they worshipped or temples that they worshipped at. He was able to come in, in, in boldness to God. This is what God has sent me to do. I am here with God's, um, uh, God's blessing on my life. And this boldness was not just to be present, but this boldness was specifically, notice in verse number two, to speak the gospel. To speak the gospel as an ambassador. Paul was on a mission. May we be on a mission this week with boldness to our God. Boldness in our God. You say, well, I don't, I don't speak really well. You don't have to speak really well. You just have to be obedient. Go through the doors that God opens to you. Paul himself prayed and asked the Ephesians for this. He says, would you pray that there be doors of utterance, and then when those doors of utterance come, that I would speak as I ought to speak. How many of you with the Apostle Paul? When, Lord, when you open up a door of utterance this week, would you help me to speak as I ought to speak? Yeah, because sometimes we don't speak as we ought to speak. We aren't ready. We're fearful. And uh, we have a mission this week. If Jesus should return this week, we have a mission to accomplish, friends. Paul says we are bold in our God. And he was not ashamed of the gospel because he was bold in his God. When you think of God as being all-powerful and that you get to serve the all almighty creator of the universe, friends, that changes the way that you engage the culture. When you realize they can't hurt you, they can't hurt you, what are they going to do? There's that poem out there. Afraid of what? Afraid of death? You kill me, I go to heaven. Friends, we're going to have to find that boldness. Has your heart been a little bit you know, uncertain as you hear, uh, heard about that, that, that global day of jihad? Friends, it's coming and they're among us. They hate Jesus and hate Christianity and anything to do with God. Do you know that Christianity is not a religion of the sword? And theirs is a religion of the sword. You die or you convert. There's your choices, right? We need to be ready to be bold in our God, even in the face of death. Paul was bold in his God. He was next to beat to death over in Philippi. He references that. And now he comes over here, and they're about ready to run him out of town, and Paul had already been stoned to death. God raised him from the dead. I mean, we think about Paul saying this. He was bold in his God. May God give us boldness. Where does that, that boldness come from, friends? Someone tell me. Book of Acts teaches us this. The Holy Spirit. They prayed together in the book of Acts, and they were filled with the Holy Spirit, and they spake the word with all boldness. You can't be bold on your own. I can't be bold on our own. And that's where a lot of our, our lack of confidence comes from. So we try to muster it up, stir it up, and, uh, and you know, talk ourselves into it. No, we can't do that. The Holy Spirit has to give us that boldness. And so Paul was bold in his God. But he's also entrusted it with the gospel. Look at verse 3. 
Our exhortation wasn't of deceit, uncleanness, and guile. Verse 4, we are put in trust with the gospel. There's that idea, put in trust. I've been given a stewardship. Now think about an ambassador. An ambassador that's sent to a foreign country has been given a task to accomplish for the one he was sent by. So whether that's the president or some other you know, uh, a business leader saying, I'm sending, I'm sending you to another country to, to affect, to, to work out our, our goals in that country. He's been given a stewardship. It isn't his right to go there and do whatever he wants. He's given a stewardship. He has to do what the sender told him to do. He's to work out those details. Paul's saying, listen, I've been put in trust. I can't do whatever I want with the, on the gospel message. I have to do what God sent me to do. And I can't come to this city and say, well, you know what? This city's pretty hard. That person's pretty hard. I, can't, I won't say anything. No, he had an obligation before God to deliver that gospel message as an ambassador. You and I are ambassadors of God in this place. The Bible tells us that. And Paul says, as an ambassador, I was entrusted with the gospel. I have been given care of the gospel. And notice he says, I have done so, I've come here with my exhortation, with my declaration, without deceit, without deceit. Now, would you agree with me that there's a lot of people that in the name of religion, in the name of God, peddle talks, peddle ideologies with great deceit? Just, just tune into the TV, Right? And they peddle it with a deceit or from a point of error to leverage their own interests. We aren't to do that. Paul said, when I came into town, I'm not, I'm not some guy selling snake oil. I'm not selling you some, some, some thought process here or some theory. No, I've come here and my conversation, my declaration is not one of deceit. It's not one based in error. Listen, if the Bible is a book of errors or contains errors... We got real problems, and it really undermines our ability to go anywhere and declare it. We got to settle this matter that this isn't, this isn't, we're not making arguments based on error. This is the infallible and errant word of God. And when we open it up and share it with other folks, and when it is shared with us, we, we are receiving it as the very truth that it is. John 17, 17, thy word is truth. And it's inspired of God, as we read just a moment ago, 2 Timothy 3 and verse 16. It's inspired of God. It is from the very words of God. God did not give us something that has error in it because he is a God of truth and without iniquity. And so Paul came there with all authority, making a, a case, preaching, declaring the truth with all authority. It is from God, therefore it has authority in your life. One of the reasons the, the existence of God is so debated in our culture today is because if that is accepted, if God is real and he created us, then we're accountable to someone. And you realize when we come along and say there is absolute truth and it's found in God's word, our society, our culture reacts to that because they don't want to be accountable to God. They want to do their own thing. And more and more we're seeing that in our society. Paul was coming here and saying, I did not make my declarations to you based in deceit or error. And friends, we don't either, as long as we stick to this book. You with me? Yeah, and we got to stick to the book. Got to stay in it. And so he, he did it with all authority. He did it with purity. He said, I didn't do it with uncleanness. 
I wasn't coming to you. And do you realize much of religion in that day was full of uncleanness. They, they, they catered to the baser lusts of people. Ephesus being a place, but this as well. There was so much immorality mixed up with, with religion of that day in these cities. Even the, the, the religion of worshiping Caesar was mixed up in immorality. Caesar himself was, uh, as Caesar's a title like a president, but many of the Caesars were very, very vile and wicked and immoral individuals. So Paul's setting himself aside. I'm not coming to you as, as one of the other religions out there that's full of immorality and full of sexual perversion. No, 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 I'm not I'm coming to you in that way. I'm not making this plea to you with uncleanness. I'm coming to you in purity. You know, it's the same today. You know, the Bible says thou shalt not murder, but we have religions that, that they, they, they advance in murder. Uh, we, we think today that there's, there's immorality twisted up in, in religion and the worship of Satan and so many things. We, we find that, that Scripture calls us to holiness, calls us to be separate from those things. Religions today, many TV preachers seek to advance the message based on greed. The Bible says the love of money, not money, the love of money is the root of all evil. And they're playing to the lust of men. Impurity is what it is. Impurity. Impurity. So Paul says, I didn't come to you with uncleanness and immorality. I came with a pure message. You know, error, you can, you can, kind, of, you can kind of test religions in this way. It is, is kind of a, a come as you are, stay as you are. We just, kind of, we just kind of tell you it's all okay. We just want to keep you comfortable. And there's many religions that speak, uh, speak like that to people. We don't want to change you. We just want to make you comfortable. We want to we cater to your lust. Jesus calls us, truth is this, come as you are, and Jesus will change you. Jesus will change your life. And more and more we see the, kind of the, the, the mainstream churches in our day just trying to keep people comfortable right inside of their sin, not asking them to change, not asking them to forsake impurity, because sometimes these mainstream leaders are in impurity themselves and speaking in impure language. Paul says, I didn't do that. I'm not coming to you from an impure perspective. I'm not, I'm not walking in impurity. And Paul even notes that to Timothy. He also says in verse 3, he says, I came to you with insincerity, uh, I didn't come to you with guile. Uh, I didn't come to you with craftiness, trying to manipulate something. You know, you have some of these, these faith healers that, that, that are so crafty in the way that they present. It's sleight of hand is what it is. So crafty in the way that they present their quote-unquote ministries, asking people to sit, uh, sit in certain places and, and, and manipulating a service to appear as if they have all power to be able to, to faith heal anyone. And friends, it's craftiness. And it is all over. The emotionalism is craftiness that we see in our, in, in our 
um, in our um, big churches today. Not saying big churches are bad. I'm not saying that at all. I, what I am saying is there, there are many that have, that have preyed on, it, on people's emotions, trying to get them to do what they want them to do, manipulating services, manipulating uh, people's uh, emotions to get the desired response. Paul says, I didn't come to you trying to craft something. I just came to you and simply preached the word of God. That's what we need to do today. Paul says, I didn't use insincere praise like flattery. I didn't do this for our own glory. I didn't do it to boost us up, to, get on, uh, to boost our brand. I simply did this to announce to you that you need a Savior. You're a sinner on your way to hell. You need a Savior. And, and Jesus is offering that to you right now. And so Paul says to the Corinthian believers in 2 Corinthians 5, 19, to wit, that God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, and hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation. And notice, now then, we are ambassadors for Christ. As though God did beseech you by us, we pray you, we beg you, we ask you, be reconciled to God. And that's what Paul was doing there in Thessalonica. As an ambassador coming to help them on to maturity. He wanted to see them saved so that he can help them grow in the Lord Jesus Christ. But notice, furthermore, he wanted to help them on to maturity, not just as an ambassador, but as a tender mother. As a tender mother, uh, I want us to notice in verse number seven, but we were gentle among you, even as a nurse cherisheth her children. Paul says we, we came, we didn't come in bold and, and in a brash way. We didn't come to kind of beat you up with the, with the word of God. That's not godly. Uh, I sometimes hear, hear that, and even, you know, even in uh, maybe younger years, thought about uh, preaching, be more so just you know, confronting and getting right into it and, and, uh, and, and being a little bit more harsh. And I've seen some of that, that stuff. That's, that's, not, that's not what God wants. That's not what the Apostle Paul, who is very, very smart, um, had quite a background. That's not how he came across in different places. What does the Bible tell us in Ephesians 4 and verse number 15? But speaking the truth in love. Who is Jesus? He's full of grace and truth. Grace and truth. Mercy and truth are two duets in, in the Bible that, that are really really precious. Aren't you glad that God deals with you in mercy and truth? There needs to be a balance. Paul says, I came to you, and we were gentle. The word gentle is the idea of kind and mild. He uses the picture of a nurse, a, a mom, or someone who has been assigned a little child, right? A little child to care for and to raise. That's a really tender picture, wouldn't you agree with me? That's a very tender picture. And we understand that, that Paul says, we, we came to you and we were gentle among you. We are gentle. And Paul uses this illustration to try to describe to them, hey, my heart for you is not to kind of blow you over with truth, but to come alongside and nurture you along, help you along to find your place. Paul did that. As a nurse, there's a special bond that the nurse has with the child, that a mother has with a child. There's a special bond that God desires to be there. Um, there is a closeness there. As the, the nursing mother brings the child close to take care of the child, there's a regularity. You can't just say, you know what, 
I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to see you on Sunday, but I'll not see you the rest of the week. Right? A mom couldn't get away with that. Paul couldn't get away with that with these, with these believers. There had to be a, a closeness. And friends, I, I want us to stop and think about what Paul's getting across here. Especially in relation to new believers. There has to be a closeness. There has to be a keeping up. There has to be a attending to and, and a concern for their needs. Why? Because the world and, and, and flesh and the devil is out to get them. And so Paul says, we came to you and we were, we were close. As, as a nurse cherisheth, cares for, tends to a child, that's what we were like to you. That's what we were like to you. And I want that heart. I want that heart towards other believers. Don't you? Don't you want to have that? You know, it's so easy to get calloused and cold towards the needs, the spiritual needs of other people. Well, I've told you a hundred times that if you do that, it's going to result in this. And there comes a callousness. Well, I'm, I'm, not going to, I'm, not going to, I'm just going to kind of cut you off because you haven't responded. No, Paul was very, very kind and gentle, mild in the way that he, he dealt with, um, with the people there. Do you treat people with gentleness? Do you, do you treat new believers with gentleness? New believers that come through our church that are growing in the Lord, do you, do you treat them with gentleness? They may not know the things that you know. Do you communicate those things to them with gentleness? Have you ever been talked down to? Do you know what that feels like? I asked the Lord to really help me with, with this. And, and uh, part of Part of something that is on my heart as a as a, a pastor is, you know, I'm I'm a person like like you. I get to stand and 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 preach, but I have the same I have the same fleshly struggles as everyone else does, right? Um, I used to hear as a, a young preacher, you know, when you're preaching, make sure that you're always talking to the people and always be you, you, you. Um, the Lord corrected that thinking at some point along the way that it's us. I learned that Isaiah confessed the sins of Israel, and he, he confessed them as our sins. Like, that's kind of interesting. So it's not, you all are sinners, and I, I don't have a problem. But you know, we have a problem. Let's, hey, let's, let's follow the Lord. And as I'm seeking to follow the Lord, I want you to come along with me. Let's all do it together. Paul didn't speak to, down to them. He remembered he's a sinner saved by grace. And, and, and we all are on this journey. Paul's on this journey. The, the good that I would, I do not. And the, and the things that I, I don't want to do, I do. And, and we're all on this journey together, right? And so Paul didn't speak down to, let's not speak down to new believers or to other believers. I might rabbit trail a little bit here, but James 5 and verse number 16 talks to us about confessing our faults one to another, that we might pray for one another, that we might be healed, right? In that context, in that environment, there isn't a talking down. We all have faults, don't we, compared to Christ? So Lord, help us with, with that matter of being gentle with one another and even with new believers. Friends, sometimes it, it's easy to see the sin in other people's lives and not so easy to see it in our lives. Right? It's easy to see the pride in somebody else's life, but it's not so easy to see in my life. And 
the Lord help us to have a tender spirit, a gentle spirit towards other believers. A gentle spirit towards their, their growth track. Their growth track might be a little bit different. Just because God taught you something last week doesn't mean that they're going to learn that this week. Right? We, sometimes we expect people to, to get onto our same journey. It doesn't always happen that way. How long did it take for God to teach me that? Right? So Paul was very gentle and mild with the, with the believers, and he, he I, I believe, did not speak down to them. He, um, he talked to them as brothers in Christ. He talked to them as a part of the family, brothers and sisters in Christ. But it goes on here. Oh, I should say this. When I was at the March for Life, uh, an illustration of speaking down to or really not having any sort of grace, um, there was a man that planted him outside, himself outside the Capitol Square with a, a, a stereo box or loudspeaker. And um, the March for Life encompasses many people, some saved, some not saved, some who would trust in Christ and some, some not. And so I noted this man who was wearing a shirt. He was out there with his family wearing a, wearing a shirt. And on the back it said, and I quote, Catholics are going to hell. And he is preaching this and preaching against works, which the Bible says that the only way to Jesus Christ is not through a church, but it is through Jesus Christ. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. Friends, as I sat back and watched that, I even talked to some Catholics that day, shared my faith with them, but I realized this man had no tact, no grace, and I really wished that his, his big box would have, would have you know, quit on him. It would have ran out of battery because he was doing no good. Why? There were some things he was saying that were true, but it wasn't at all with a spirit of gentleness. It wasn't with a heart of, I love you, and I want to help you find what I've found in Jesus Christ. And so it's very important that we are gentle like Paul was. If we want to see people go on to maturity in Christ, we need to be gentle as tender as a mother. So he was gentle among them, but I also want you to notice verse number 8. He didn't, wasn't just gentle among them. He was, in verse number 8, affectionately desirous of them. He wanted them to follow along. He wanted them to come along. And so it says here, we are willing to impart it unto you our own selves, not just the gospel, but of our own selves. And so he wanted to give himself to them. Now again, all this is in context of being a tender nurse or mother. Now, can you, can you get this tonight with me? This is really big because it's easy for us sometimes to want to give people the truth. I want to tell them like it is. But it's another thing to actually say, for us to say, that I want to give a part of me to you. I want to give my time, my resources, my energy. I want to give myself to you for the purpose of helping you be mature in the Lord Jesus Christ. We can all throw truth bombs and run away. People do that all the time. Well, I told them like it is, and then go our way. It's another thing for us to stop and say, I want to actually invest in you and help you walk in the truth. Come walk with me as I'm trying to follow Jesus Christ. Would you come walk with me? It's another thing. Paul says, what I was to you, I didn't want to just give you the truth. I didn't just want to impart the gospel to you. I wanted to impart my own self to you. I wanted to give you a part of me. 
Friends, that's what discipleship is. We can't disciple unless we're willing to give a part of ourselves to someone. You know, we, we use continued discipleship, but continued discipleship is just a book. There needs to be all over our, all over our church the giving of ourselves to someone, our time, our energy. Time's a great thing. You can't get time back, right? When you give a person an hour, two, three of your time, you're giving of yourself. When you're giving that time, you're not saying, well, you know what? Just remember, you owe me now. No, when we're giving of ourselves like Paul did, we're giving of that, and it, we just love to be able to invest that time. The time you invest in the ministry here, whether it's teaching a class or being a part of any other ministry here, that is a giving of yourself. Let's have that same attitude of Paul, which is we are affectionately desirous. We are so desirous in helping you be mature. Four-year-old, we're so desirous of helping you be mature that I took my Wednesday night when I could have been sitting in the service and receiving something, I took my Wednesday night and I taught you some truths on your level. Do you catch that? What a beautiful thing that that is. And let's be like Paul, willing to give of ourselves. I was just doing a little bit of study because the picture here is of a, a nursing mother. Do you know nursing moms? burn 500 calories more a day than a, a, a lady that is with child. They're literally giving up their energy to sustain that little baby's life. That is a beautiful picture. And Paul says, we came to you not as some bold bastion of Christianity. We came to you and the way that we dealt with you was this. We were like a nursing mom, giving of ourselves, giving our energy to you. Do you know what? You lead someone to Christ, it's going to take energy to help them to walk with God. It's going to take some energy to answer some questions, maybe some things that you've been over, over time and time and time again. But I want to encourage us as a church, this isn't just something for me. Paul's an apostle, he was leading the church, but all of us need to have that same spirit of gentleness towards folks that are new in the faith and towards those that just need to grow, towards one another, that gentleness. I'm willing to help them along taking that time. Are you all with me on this? Can we all grow in this area? Giving of ourselves. Giving of ourselves. Do you know that even fellowship is a giving of ourselves? I have visited some churches where it, the moment the pastor dismisses the service, everyone's out the door. Well, I, I have a schedule. Yes, we all have schedules. I have this, this, and this to do. Friends, do you know there's a giving of ourselves around service times to one another? a giving of ourselves to communicate, to pray with, and to, to spend time together. We don't get to get together. Every, we don't see each other at Kroger's. Why? Because we're, we're, we're miles apart in our society. Our society is very, very disconnected. We might go days without seeing each other. But I'm telling you, when we come together, may the Lord help us to give of ourselves. May the Lord help us to give of ourselves in, in, during the week with a phone call, a text message, or whatever, but giving of ourselves, not just speaking the truth, but being willing to give of ourselves. That's what Paul did. And we need to, we need to work on that. We need to grow in that. We need, to, we need to insist on that as a church family together. That we don't just state the truth and go on our way, but we, we give of ourselves. What can I do for you? How can I serve you? How can I serve you? On the tags, the usher's wear on Sunday morning is, how may I help you? Right? On the back of our Adventure Camp shirts is, how can I 
serve you, right? That needs to be our heart attitude as a church, not just ushers, but as a church, our whole attitude is how can I help you? And it's amazing how many people are coming through our church family just looking for some help, encouragement, strength. And one day, if you'll invest in them, they'll be able to join the team and be able to help other people as well. And that's, that's an amazing thing, and we, we grow, that, grow that together. But it'll start with us nourishing others with, with that tender spirit. So Paul gave of himself, not just the truth. So let's track this here. Ambassador, he was tasked with the message of the gospel. A tender mother, he's tasked with the milk of the word, you could say. Doesn't the Bible say that new believers should desire the sincere milk of the word? That's something only a mom can do, right? So Paul says, that's what I was to you. I, I, I was giving you what you needed. Small portions, regularly, as often as you needed it. I was giving to you what you needed. But lastly, I want us to notice that Paul was helping them on to maturity as a father. And notice, as it says, a little bit later on in this passage of Scripture, verse number 11, he says, as you know how we exhorted you and comforted and charged you, every one of you, as a father doth his children. There are some things mom says, but there's some things dad says. Some things that mom, mom can do, but there are some things that dad can do and dad should do. Paul says, I came to you as a spiritual father, as a spiritual father. And first of all, in verses 9 and 10, he notes how that he was leading by example, as a father leading by example. Notice in, in the starts of verses 9 and 10. Verse 9. For ye remember, brethren, our labor. Ye remember something. Do you, hey, I'm, I'm calling to your attention. Do you remember this? Do you remember when we came? Do you remember our labor among you? Do you remember this? Do you recall this? Do you remember seeing how I acted around you? Verse 10, ye are witnesses, and God also, how holy and justly and unblameably we behaved ourselves among you. Do you remember this? We live this out in front of you. And Paul, as a spiritual father, desiring to mature them, help them on to maturity, led by example. Fathers need to lead by example in the home. But friends, as, as, as spiritual people, as followers of Christ, we need to lead by example too, just like a father should lead by example. You need to lead by example in your sphere of influence within this body, in your, your family. Lead by example. Paul led by example in delivering the gospel. And Paul led by example, verse number 10, in demonstrating the gospel. We let the gospel work in our lives. We didn't just tell you how to be saved. We're actually letting the gospel change us. We're not just telling you let it change your life. We are showing you that it's changed us. It's caused us to live holy. It's caused us to live with an unblameableness. It's caused us to live with righteousness or justly in front of you. We are behaving in this way. Have you heard this statement? Do what I do, not what I say. Do what I do, not what I say. That's not the right way we should go about it, right? Um, people oftentimes, oftentimes, want people to follow their words but regret to have people follow their actions we can't live that way in the christian life paul's saying to them i want you to follow me as i follow christ 
as a father, I've led you, I've, I've demonstrated, I, I've declared the gospel to you, I've demonstrated it in front of you, now follow along. Follow along. You're witnesses of all this. God too. I'm not, I'm not pulling a fast one on you. God is a witness of me as well. And, and so follow along. And he led by example. Lips and our life must match. It must match the message. Ephesians 6, 4 tells us, And ye fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but raise them up and nurture in the admonition of the Lord. With your lifestyle, your lips, your actions, and so forth, don't provoke them to wrath. Raise them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Previously, it says in chapter number 5, fathers, um, uh, husbands, love your wives. It's often been said, and rightly so, the best, way, uh, the best way you can parent your children and help them grow in the Lord is to love their mother. So the importance of leading by example, but Paul didn't just lead by example, he directed with exhortation in verses 11 and 12, there is a, a thought process that we can, just, we can just live our Christian lives and people will flock to the Lord. No, we need to also come along and speak the message, speak the truth. Notice how Paul did that. Verse 11, you know how we exhorted and comforted you and charged everyone, uh, every one of you. We charged you. We exhorted you. That's the idea of to earnestly encourage, strongly encourage. Comfort is to exactly to, to alleviate that sorrow. So being willing to encourage, to say, you must do this, but man, I'm sorry for what you're going through. You know, sometimes you might not be able to fix what someone's going through. It might be something that they brought on themselves, but you can always, always, always say, hey, I'm sorry for what you're going through. Let's pray about this. You agree with me about that? Sometimes you don't know what to say. Sometimes you don't even know the answer, how they're going to get out of this problem. But I'm sorry, let's pray about this, goes a whole long way. Paul says, we exhorted you, and we comforted you, but we charged you. We charged you. What's this? We put you on notice. We gave you the truth. Just like a dad to a child, this is what you need to do. This is the instruction. This is what you must do. And Paul bear, bore witness to the truth is the idea to, um, to solemnly, uh, solemnly assert something with, with a sobriety. This is what you must do. This is what God says. And you know what I find a lot of times today is we are so eager to win friends or to gain more people or to gain influence in a person's life that we will compromise the truth. Paul did not do that. He solemnly charged them with the truth. Now, it was all in the spirit, the right spirit, and uh, we see that in his life. But what was he charging them about? He was charging them to walk worthy, that ye might walk worthy. Friends, all of this, all of what I've said so far comes down to this, this last verse. This idea of maturity is to walk worthy, to walk in balance with the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, this is the, this is the manifest Word of God. This is a specific revelation of God. This tells us who Jesus Christ is, how he acts, how he thinks, what he wants us to do. To walk worthy is to walk in balance with the revelation of God's word and the revelation of Jesus Christ. That's maturity. When we're immature, we walk out of balance. We say we're a Christian, but our life doesn't show that. We walk out of balance. And uh, I remember not too long ago, um, maybe his last year, I think it was after, we might have been, no, it was earlier this year after we got back from Grenada needed to make a fast trip up to, uh, to Wisconsin and on the way up, I pulled, sometimes I can pull this 
um, this muscle, the sciatica in the, in the back, and I'm just all out, of sh uh, all out of sorts. Well, this time I was, and I've never had this before, but I was literally cockeyed. And I went to a chiropractor up there, and he pulled and adjusted and whatnot and tried to get me back in shape, but I was walking cockeyed. I literally was, I was literally out of balance. And uh, I, could, I could lift up a leg, and I was like two inches different. Well, you know, it's, it's not very, very much fun. You've had that. Some of you have had that. It's not very much fun to walk out of balance. It's not fun to, and not appropriate, not right. It's not seemly to walk out of balance in the Christian life either. We say one thing, but our life does another thing. And it's amazing how our neighbors, how our family members are watching that. And it's sobering to me to think as a father, my children are watching that every single day more closely than even some of you can watch. They're watching my life. And one of the most terrifying things is, is the idea that I would walk out of balance with what the Lord has said, whether that's spirit, actions, words, etc. Friends, Paul walked in balance, and he was trying to lead them to walk in balance. Was Paul perfect? No. But he was trying to lead them to walk in balance, to walk worthy. Why? For his glory? So Paul could say, look at that church over there in Thessalonica? No, for the glory of God, to the glory of God. That others would see what God was doing in the lives of these Thessalonicans. And so we need to do the same. We need to walk in balance. Paul speaks to this to the Philippian believers. Only let your conversation be as it becometh the gospel. Let it be an ornament to the gospel. I don't often get to see Rolls Royces, but I saw one in Columbus the other day. And, uh, you know, it has that nice ornament, hood ornament, right? Paul says, I want your life. You all know what I'm talking about, that hood ornament that comes in and out? You go to grab it and it, it goes down. I didn't try. But uh, that hood ornament says something about that car. It, it adorns that car. It, it, it kind of is like, boy, that's the real deal. Like, that, that's, that's it. Paul says, let your life be as an ornament to the gospel. Let it, let it be that hood ornament to the gospel. It beautifies it. it. It makes it special. You can't improve on the gospel. You can't improve on its power. But your life certainly should make everyone look at the gospel and what, the truth of God's word and say, yeah, that's the real thing. That's it. That's it. I love it. I want it. He says, only let your conversation, your lifestyle is what that word means. Be as it becometh the gospel of Christ, that whether I see you, I come and see you, or else be absent, that I may hear of your affairs, that you stand fast in one spirit, with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. I want your life to be all in balance to the gospel. That's what Matthew 28, verse 19 is saying. Hey, when you preach to them the gospel and they receive the gospel, help them to understand all things whatsoever I've commanded you. Help them to observe this. What is that? Help them get their lives into balance with Jesus Christ. And you know what's amazing about that? Is we're all at different stages of growth, and a person can be in balance with Jesus Christ the moment they, they begin to say yes to him. They've received him, they say yes to him today. And tomorrow they say yes to him. They may not be at the same spiritual point in the journey, but as they're saying yes to whatever the Holy Spirit reveals in their life, isn't that encouraging tonight? Every one of us can walk in balance to Jesus Christ tonight by simply saying yes to his Holy Spirit and to his word. Do you agree with me? Every one of us. Well, you have to wait till you're a 25-year-old Christian before you can walk in balance. No, you can walk in balance today. And friends, that's a glorious truth. Because some of you might, and I, I am going to state you, some of you might, feel like, well, I haven't, I'm not like that person, so I haven't really attained 
So I'm not that great of a Christian until I'm at their level. No, you walk in balance with Jesus Christ tonight and, and, and you're where you need to be. That's a great thing. Walk in balance. Have you said yes to everything God has shown you today? And if so, praise God. Praise God. If you haven't, your life's out of balance. And you need to correct that. And you can correct that. God didn't show you something that you could not correct with his help. He wants to help you in that matter. And so Paul's goal was to help them to walk worthy. In our homes, our relationships, in our church family, may the Lord use us to be that type of spiritual encouragement to one another, to help them on to maturity. Every one of us concerned for our fellow brothers and sisters in Christ, may they walk in maturity as we strive to walk in maturity. Um, one more thing about a, about a father is a father has a, a particular responsibility inside of the home to not just go along with the, the culture of the home, but actually to set the culture in the home. Correct? So as, as spiritually mature folks, we, we shouldn't just go along with the culture of a church or the culture of our family. We should, we should help set culture. Um, what about the difference between a thermostat and a thermometer? Talk to me about this. What is the function of the, each of these? Let's start with the therm, uh, thermometer. What's the function of a thermometer? It shows the temperature. Shows the temperature. So the temperature is what it is, and it just reveals what the temperature is. Just kind of reflects, we could say, reflects the temperature. What about the thermostat? It sets the temperature. It doesn't go out and ask, what's the temperature? Right? It just, it sets it. And it begins to work toward affecting the temperature and bringing it up to the point it's set. Now, as a father, as someone who is spiritually mature or someone that's seeking that, Paul says, I didn't come into you and just let reflect what you were. No, I came in here... This is what I demonstrated. This is what I urge you to do. He is setting the tone. Now, in our homes, we can be one or the other. We can either reflect the temperature that's in our home, the spiritual temperature in our home. And the home may just be you, or the home might have two or three other people, or the home might be your, 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 larger, your larger extended family, but let's take this over into the church, our church family. You can be a person that reflects the temperature of the rest of the body. Or, and what God would have us to be, is one who sets the temperature of the body. So you hear unbelieving statements in the body. People talking in doubt. And you're one that comes along and says, but let's believe God. And you help set the temperature, the spiritual temperature of the body. You help set the spiritual temperature of the, uh, of the body in your own heart for souls. Paul was not one who just came along and you know, just, just tried to reflect what, what the temperature was in this new fledgling church. No, he tried to set it. Here's what you need to do. Friends, I want to encourage us not just to be faithful ambassadors and tender mothers, but also to be, uh, as Paul was, a, a spiritual father who helped set temperature, say this is the way that we need to go, and let's go there by faith. Let's be that for one another. And that's what Paul was for them. So may we be like Paul in nurturing one another as believers, nurturing new believers, nurturing those within our sphere of influence. How? By being a faithful ambassador, 
tender mother and a spiritual father. That's what Paul was to this church, and we can see that typified all throughout his other ministries and other churches. And so praise the Lord, and let's ask the Lord to help us to accomplish these things and to be this. Would you bow with me in prayer? Let's stand together. We're going to have a, a time of invitation just to pray about these things. I'm going to pray tonight, and I encourage you to pray tonight in this matter. Let's not be thermometers, but let's be thermostats, helping set the temperature. What does it look like in our homes when there's a lack of faith or there's a lack of Godwardness? I'm going to bring God into the equation. When there's a problem, I'm not going to wait for somebody else to say, let's pray about it. I'm going to pray about it. I'm not going to wait on others or expect others to do their devotions. I'm going to lead out and do devotions. I'm going to lead and talk a verse of scripture. When I come to church, I'm not just going to come and just fellowship. I'm going to lead out and saying, God spoke to my heart this week or in that message about this. I wanted to share that because I thought it would be a benefit to, know, to you to know how God is working. You see the difference between a thermometer. A thermometer comes in and just simply reflects. If other people talk about it, I'll talk about it. The thermostat is one who comes along and says, hey, this is what God has done in my heart. I'm going to talk about it. I'm going to talk about it. May the Lord help us with that. Lord, would you bless this time of invitation? Would you work in our hearts, lead us on to spiritual maturity? Lord, I need this and my friends need this. And so help us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Find a place to pray tonight before we leave. Let's do business with the Lord. If you need someone to pray with you, we'd certainly love to do that. Let that need be known. I'd encourage you to be this type of person in your workplace. You might have some other folks that believe on Jesus, are Christians, but they don't always act like it. Don't depend on them. Don't take cues from them and how you act as a Christian. You lead out. You set the tone. You set the praise. Let your light shine. Thank you for listening to this podcast. To learn more about Grace Baptist or how to have eternal life, visit gracekettering.org.
And remember, you are always welcome at Grace Baptist Church.